friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Hello, friends. Jim Nance with Grant Hill and Bill Raftery. Championship night. There's nothing like it. Hello, friends, and welcome to the Stadium Sports Show. I'm your host, Robert Jeffrey, joined by co-host Sean Beanie. What a time to be alive, Sean. What, it's the final four weekend. It's capping off what we had as the best time of the spring sports season. It's the conclusion of basketball. It's the beginning of baseball season. We had that yesterday. And then next weekend, we get to do it all over with the Masters. Sean, Great opening day, by the way, yesterday. Phenomenal see, opening See, the, the, the Yankees, when was the last time the Yankees played a game that was under two and a half hours? I can't, I can't tell you. I really can't. I can't, I, I can't was, tell there you. There was a, a noticeable difference in, in the, the pay, just the way that the game was played uh, yesterday, which I thought was uh, – it was pretty fun to see. I think there was this is the most exciting uh, start of a season. I, I think that that's there's been in, in quite a while. Um, a lot of people are engaged. We talked about it last yeah. week. The World Baseball Classic did a great uh, a great thing for the sport, and I think we're going to see that this year. I think you're going to see more people engaged, and that's a great thing for the game. I, I have it here Yankees game time two hours thirty three minutes. That was four innings last year. But anyway, we're not here to talk about baseball right now. We got several months ahead of us to talk about baseball, and boy, will we do that. But we got to wrap up uh, some college basketball today. We got to wrap up a lot of college basketball, Sean. This year's NCAA tournament has by far been the most exciting, been the most surprising, and I think we're getting more people engaged in the women's tournament. Now, I know we're not going to be talking about the women's tournament, but I've seen that uh, have a very large popular uptick, and I think that's good for the sport as a whole. Um, But speaking specifically of the men's game, we have FAU, Florida Atlantic University, in the Final Four, winning their first games in the tournament in school history and on their way to a final four matchup against San Diego State University, who also on their own accord was able to knock off the likes of Alabama, the best team in the country by far for most of this season. They were also able to knock off Creighton, who was a very formidable opponent uh, in the Big East this year. And they were able to uh, advance San Diego State that is advanced into the final four. On the opposite side, on the Midwest and West side, we've got UConn, one of the better programs we've seen all year long. They finally got the respect they deserved entering the tournament and took down a very tough Gonzaga squad um, on their way to the regional win in the West region. And finally, we got the if we got the leading candidate for best Jim Beheim lookalike in Jim Laranaga. It's taking uncanny. It, it's, it is uncanny, it, man. If anybody who who's tuning in does not know what Jim Beheim looks like, is not familiar with Jim Laranaga, you gotta you gotta look, take a look at it. I mean, it's 
it's by far the best the best similar person ever. I mean, if Jim Laranaga, this is honest to God, if Jim Laranaga was out on the street, I bet you I would probably be able to get confused between him and Bayheim. They're about the same height, same age. It's unbelievable. A little less cranky, but you know, a little bit. He's he's a very happy guy. Jim Laranaga is a very happy guy, but Jim Bayheim has been a very much happier person now that he's in retirement. But Miami, the Hurricanes, who had just have guards on guards on guards on their roster, overcame probably the toughest team in the tournament, or many thought was going to be the eventual national champion. Uh, if you looked at the Elite Eight, and that is. Um, they beat Texas, Miami beat Texas, Miami's in the final four. It's UConn versus Miami, and that'll be a great game. And we'll see that tip off on Saturday at, they got the late game at 849 in San Diego state and FAU play at 609 PM tomorrow. Sean, what do you think about those, about these games? think we're in store for some pretty uh pretty good games i mean all all the metrics are pointing toward you that uconn is going to bulldoze through this thing um this is it, it's very rare you see I, I think uconn right now i saw is uh minus 120 uh to win the whole thing right now it's very rare to see a a team be favored against the field at this point in the tournament um at any point in the tournament, really. But, I mean, UConn is UConn is an undervalued team. They came into the tournament underseeded. They were underseeded based on predictive metrics by about a seed and a half, or about a seed to two seeds based on when you, when you look at the data. Um, but in my opinion, they really should have been a three seed. They've been playing like a two seed with the exception of that little eight game stretch where they went two and six in the middle of the season, they're, they're a two seed. Um, so, I, I mean, I, I, I think we can't look at that four seed line and, and, and underrate Connecticut at all. And especially the way that they've been playing. I mean, they have been playing phenomenal, their physicality and just pure athleticism on that team is, is unbelievable. Um, one thing I want to note about UConn, and um, this is just, I didn't think about this, Sean, until you started kind of going at the metrics, was UConn has not had a game in this tournament closer than 24 points. That was their opening game against Iona, in which they beat Iona 87 to 63. Their next toughest was, oh, I'm sorry, sorry, 15 points. I can't do math clearly. I thought that was. Uh, 80, not 70. Um, no, their closest game was against St. Mary's in their second round game. Everything else has been dominant. Um, they've beat St. Mary's by 15 points, and even that looked pretty handily. Um, what they did to Gonzaga was just unbelievable to make it to the Final Four. But continue, Sean. UConn, if you sort the data by uh, since February 1st, is the number one team in the country. By a lot, by by over eight points ahead of UCLA. Um, I mean, it's yeah. I'm, I mean, it's um, it's crazy. Um, I what I like about it, and and we'll talk about the rest of the tournament in a second. But UConn was 
in my other brackets, uh, my early on favorite to win the national title, I actually have in the bracket that um, we've done, Sean, and we did for the show, I have UConn in the title game. Um, unfortunately, my original national champion pick got knocked out within the opening weekend, and that was Marquette. Um, but UConn's been doing a lot of really interesting things on social media. Um, they brought back Jim Calhoun. He's been talking to the team on a pretty regular basis throughout the tournament. Um, and it's really interesting that they're able to recognize him and kind of show, you know, the old guard with Jim Calhoun really got UConn started and kind of on this national um, stage, if you will. And they've got Danny Hurley right there, who's um, really bringing UConn again into the national fold. So um, this has been really, really fun to watch from UConn. Um, you know what I find is interesting is that UConn, um, since since February first, their um, their aggregate rank and uh, the aggregate adjusted rank and aggregate adjusted and um, sorry regular adjusted efficiency uh, is far higher than Kansas was in the for the entire season last year the, the national champions last year. Um, so just that just shows how dominant UConn really has been, with the exception of that little blip, a little slip up in uh, in the middle of January, and 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 that's in a very very difficult Big East conference too. So that wasn't they weren't they weren't you know slipping up against you know pushovers, um, and just the way that they've looked has been has been just crazy. So right now they're an eight point favorite, um, according to Bart Torvik over uh, over the of Miami. Um, and you know, that's, I, I don't think that's out of the question. I mean, Miami's been playing great, but you, I don't know. It's going to be tough to get by UConn. Not saying that nobody can beat them. I mean, somebody's beaten them eight times this year. Mm-hmm. So it's, they can be beaten, but it's going to be tough. You know, the fun part about this is we get to see, um, I mean, these are, I, everyone says, well, the national champion in, in basketball isn't the best team per se. And I say that in air quotes. Um, but this is, it's impressive how long you can sustain this good play for over the course of a month. And you're doing this and you're playing games pretty much within 24 hour periods. Um, maybe it's more like 36, 48, but you know, you're doing this pretty, pretty back to back. Um, and it's, it's been exciting to watch, but ultimately we'll get to this later in the show. We'll talk about matchups and everything else. But, um, Sean, one thing I want to talk about with you as we kind of kick off the show is what has, what, what have you seen from this tournament that is different than let's say the tournaments in years past, you know, so we can compare it to last year's if we really want to, but what's different for you that you're seeing um, as we head into this final weekend? I've seen a lot more parity across the board and it's not just because of upsets. I mean, and to be honest, this tournament has not been, a lot of people think that, that this tournament's just been crazy, but when you look back on it, it really hasn't been. In, in terms of when you look at the, the in like in the first round, um, the, the number of uh, 13 or worse seeds winning against a higher seed was one of its lowest uh, in the past 20 years. Um, the only years lower or the only years with less total upsets of those kind it had eight this year only with less of that kind were uh, 2017 2004 2015 2007 um, 
So we think that it's been all upsets. It really hasn't. Um, also, we think that this final four, it's insane that we got, you know, San Diego State and Florida Atlantic and, you know, none of these big name teams. But when you look at the final four based on average seed, it is still uh, based on both average seed and combined offensive and defensive efficiency. It's still, it, it is not the highest. It's second. It's second behind 2011, um, where the average seed was 6.5 and the average efficient, the offensive and defensive efficiency, total team efficiency was 37.5. Um, and this year, the average seed is 5.8. But then you have right up there with it, a couple 4.5s in 2000, the average seed uh, in the final four in 2006. 2013, 2014, uh, it's, it hasn't been as completely dominated by upsets as we, as it looks from the outside. Now, that being said, it seems that way, in my opinion, because we have a lot of smaller names beating bigger names. We have the Creightons going a long way, but remember, Creighton was a six seed. We have you know, Miami going a long way. Miami was a five seed, but I mean, they probably could have been a four seed easily. San Diego State, I mean, they were ranked in the top 25 all year. Florida Atlantic has 36 wins. I mean, you, you got to think like these, the reason we're thinking that this is an upset dominant tournament is because we don't see the Dukes, the North Carolinas, the Kentuckys in this final four. I mean, we did last year, we saw, you know, a, a slew of blue. We, we had all four blue bloods. All, pretty much. We had a blue was, blood you know, film. Vill, Vill, Villanova, um, Duke. Villanova, UConn, uh, uh, UNC, Duke, and Kansas. I mean, that those are four blue bloods right there. And I, I think this, this just highlights the growing parity in the game. Um, not so much the faults of a single elimination tournament, as some people would like to point out, um, where, you know, easily the best team could easily get eliminated um, and not be crowned that champion when in fact that they were. But I think it's a little bit it more highlights the talent has been more evenly dispersed across the teams. And I think that that has been helped by NIL, and the transfer portal. Do those things have their faults and need some tweaking? Yeah, but that's a story for another day. But I, I think this just really highlights that other teams out there can be just as competitive with those Blue Bloods, and there is a growing parity that's going to make the sport really exciting for years to come. You know, I frankly, I agree. I think a lot of this has to do with the transfer portal opening things up for players. It provides them an opportunity to where they don't have to sit out a year. Um, they don't have to wait to play. Um, I think, and also another part of this is the fact that the COVID years, um, we're looking at players that have played, you know, four, five, if they get an injury exemption, this could be their sixth year playing. Um, and I, that's pretty significant. And I think that's why you're able to see all of these other non-household name programs excel as well as they have this year um i also think that this has something to do with as you said nil 
Um, but I also have, I have to think it's been over the last couple of years, I would say with last year being the sole exception, um, you have seen people, you've seen kids um, who are high school students right now kind of go against the norm of going to power programs. Um, I think it's been these power programs are going to go after, you know, maybe a five, a bunch of five stars or top four stars. Um, and I don't want to speak on fact, but I would have to speculate that a significant portion of the talent pool that we have in this year's final four have either been four or three stars or even lower than that. Um, and that's pretty significant because that means that these programs have developed their own household of talent. Um, I would say that and I was listening to Jay Billis, I want to say it was earlier this week, um, he was on the Dan Patrick show, and they were talking about the impact of NIL, and is that era of one and done essentially over? Um, it certainly seems that way, because not only is the, the NBA looking at their current conglomerate when they get to their uh, contract negotiation with the NBA Players Association, um, but you also look at the NIL money, that's tangible. We talk about Armando Baycott. Um, he's going to be, I think this is going to be his fifth year, his final year yeah. down there in uh, at UNC. But if we go backwards in time, I think they were talking about whether he should go to the NBA or not last year. Mm-hmm. Um, he could have been, he could have legitimately have been a, a, uh, a first round draft pick. Um, and that would have been some major money for him. Now he's not nowhere near that conversation of being a first round draft pick just because he's injured and he didn't have a great year this year. But somebody like him, they, if they're in their fourth year of college, even five years ago, he would have gone to the NBA, no problem. Um, he would have tested the waters. He may have been drafted, but he makes significantly more money doing what he's doing at UNC right now and he's going to stay there, use his NIL money, make himself a significant amount, and then he's going to go try to play in the league next year. I don't think he will, but um, I think I think that's a large part to it, large part to, to what we've seen in this tournament. No, and I completely agree, and I think that it's becoming clear that for some players – it's more lucrative and financially sensible to stay in college and get that, that NIL money and get that education than it would be to test the waters and, you know, give it a shot in the NBA or, you know, just, you know, take a chance. Obviously, if you're somebody who's, you know, going to be a complete dominant star in the NBA, then that's a different story. You know, if you're a Zion Williamson in this day and age, you wouldn't be staying, but, I mean, if, if you're a guy like Armando Bacot, where, you know, I'm not too sure how he would translate to the NBA. Um, it might, you know, might be a good idea to stay. Uh, but he's a recognizable name, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, that's a big draw um, to fans. It's a big draw to advertisers in the Raleigh-Durham area. Um, so you're going to get a lot of that money. And... Um, I think one thing that that uh, is important to note here is, as we're just talking about NIL, this wasn't the plan, but I think it's a good conversation is we have to look at, and I say we meaning we have a, a say in anything, but the NCAA 
has to make sure they're not turning into a pay for play model, mm-hmm. um, which it's kind of towed the line there in some way, shape or form. But um, that's one thing that they're going to have to adjust on the NIL. But, yeah. Well, getting back to the tournament a little bit, because uh, we got a, a big weekend of games ahead. Um, just for fun, let's. Uh, how did your bracket do, Rob? So, um, Sean, if we take a look at my bracket, um, so I don't currently... know if you did, but I, I I know I did make a couple tweaks to my bracket from our uh, NCA preview show. Um, full disclosure, as I said on that show. That was my first time picking the bracket of the of this year. I had done research, but I hadn't actually picked the games yet. So I was doing that cold turkey. Um, so I did go back and make a few tweaks before I finally submitted my bracket. So if you're going back and comparing to what I did, I am guilty. I did make some changes. Just wanted to throw that out there. I, I'm not saying the same about you, but that is uh, my my deal. So I didn't make any changes. Um, at least that I can remember that was anything major. Um, in other brackets I did, but th- for the one that, that we did for this show, I didn't make any, any changes. Um, and I'll give you kind of where I'm at my elite eight. I had three teams in the elite eight, the three, actually four teams, excuse me. I had four teams in the elite eight that made it, made it. It was Gonzaga, Yukon, Texas, and Creighton. All four of them made the elite eight, but now I only have one final four team left which is uh, kind of kind, kind of kind of junky and um of that you know um we'll see if UConn makes the title game but like I said I had Marquette winning the whole thing um my sweet 16 really wasn't any better um I had one two three four five six seven I had half of the sweet 16 still in um but Right now, if we're looking at our league, I am tied for second with you, ironically. Um, and uh, hopefully, if UConn can get a win, I will be solidly in second place, and um, that'll be that'll be a very very good thing. But um, I did have one other one other bracket that I did for um, another pool I'm in. It's mostly just bragging rights. Um, I had. Four teams in the in the Elite Eight there. Um, I had – I'm quickly looking at this because I didn't think I was going to reference this. Um, I actually had the same number of teams in Sweet 16. So, again, eight, but um, I'm going to be – I'm already one because I only have uh, – my national champion is still playing. I'll put it that way. But uh, – so, yeah. Well, I mean, it's been, it's been good. I actually had a lot of coin flip brackets do really well. Um, I made five of them. Um, my friend Jeremy and, and I, um, we flipped a couple coins and we have the same bracket and we actually have our national champion is San Diego State and they are still, they're still golden. Um, and we actually had a, a sweet 16, excuse me, an elite eight that uh, was a little questionable. But uh, how, how is your bracket doing, Sean? Well, I'm just going to put it this way. The only reason that I'm tied for you in second in our pool, which is, uh, you, you know, just to brag a little bit, we had 20 in our pool. But, mm-hmm. you know, so so, so tied for second, uh, still respectable. But uh, it's only because of the first couple of rounds. Because my Elite Eight, I only had three teams. Um, 
My Elite Eight was Alabama, Arizona, Duke, Marquette, Houston, Texas, UConn, and Gonzaga. And we all know it was just those final three that survived. And then my final four of Alabama, Duke, Texas, and Gonzaga didn't really pan out too well. Um, so, yeah. So, it started out really well for me. And then it was uh, it was all downhill from there. You get nothing. You lose. Good day, sir. So uh, I guess why don't we take uh, take a minute to uh, just wallow in our sorrowful brackets, um, take a quick break, and then we'll come back and discuss the final four matchups um, and talk about who we like for this national championship game. What do you say? Sounds great, Sean. We'll take a little bit of a break. Thank you for listening to the Stadium Sports Show. We'll be back here in a second to talk about the final four and give us give you our national championship picks. All right, and you're listening to the Stadium Sports Show here at Sean Beanie, Robert Jeffrey. Talk about the NCAA tournament, the final four. Sean, it's gonna be a fun weekend. Six six o'clock tomorrow will be tip-off between the Florida Atlantic Owls and the Aztecs of San Diego State University. Sean, what do you make of that game, and who do you have moving on to the title game? This this one's a tough one um, because I think that San Diego State is traditionally a underrated team. They've had some very good teams in the past couple of years. A lot of people forget that in the 2020 COVID year, they were slated to be a number one seed. Number possibly the number one overall seed. There was some conversation mm-hmm. for that. Um, and they've put out a strong program year in and year out. And they're playing against a Florida Atlantic team that has been having an incredible season, single season. They're not known, obviously, like I mean, they're they're not known to be a basketball program. They only started playing basketball in 1988. I mean, it's it, they they only had one. Uh, they only have one tournament appearance and no tournament wins even going into the season. Um, not that San Diego State's particularly been a college basketball powerhouse, but those are they're, they're two different stories here. This is a program that's trying to solidify itself uh, as a competitive program um, that can compete at the higher level, which, you know, you got to admit, you, you got to think that San Diego State, there's a good chance they're going to be moving to the Big 12 in the next couple of years. So having this national championship in there, in, or at least a national championship uh, game appearance um, in their back pocket is going to really help them um, down the road, help their program. But the one thing I do like about Florida Atlantic is that they, they have that winning mentality. I mean, the thing is, is that when you look at some of these small, uh, these these um, mid-major teams that are pretty dominant, they they don't they don't know how to lose. I mean, you know, I mean, uh, Florida Atlantic is thirty-five and three. They they're just so accustomed to winning that it's not. I feel like there's not as much of that. Um nervous energy in a way it's kind of uh okay we just go out and win there's more confidence and in the way that they've been playing there's more confidence and and i think that they're playing loose because there's absolutely no pressure on them 
Um, so I like Florida Atlantic from a from a more emotional and not non-analytical type of way. Um, the the thing is though, I don't think that they match up well with a very physical San Diego State team that might push them around a bit. Now they they do have the the big seven one center in Vlad Golden who played a hell of a game last game. Um, very physical, very I mean the, he was battling out there. Um, but I, I just think that eventually that physicality is going to wear down again with um, wear down Florida Atlantic. They beat Tennessee, who was a very physical team. Um, but I mean, Tennessee also couldn't shoot the ball. Um, San Diego State can shoot the ball. Uh, San Diego State has a very good three is a very good three point shooting team. Um, Tennessee, on the other hand, when they played them, only shot six for twenty three from three point range. Um, so I, I, based on, you know, my heart wants to go with my heart wants to go with with FAU because of the story and the emotion that I think is going to be behind that team. But the fact of the physicality of San Diego State and the just the overall talent of San Diego State, I just don't know how they're going to match up with it. So I think, and, and they've also had, San Diego State has had a week to prepare for FAU. When, when, Florida Atlantic has come out and beaten some of these teams. Those kind of surprise teams haven't really have been on a little bit quicker turn. Um, so, you know, I, I, I got, I think I'm going to have to go with San Diego state on this one. Um, I, I think it all, I think the road ends here for Florida Atlantic. Um, but, you know, I, I think that there's, there's undoubtedly, uh, they're undoubtedly going to be a, a top 10 team in the preseason next year with with likely most guys coming back. So to preface this, Dusty May has done a phenomenal job with Florida Atlantic University. Um, and I believe there are some reports out there that's saying that they're going to be able to retain him on a uh, what's been reported as a fairly lucrative deal for that head coach. Yeah, the terms of that deal, I did read that the terms of that deal have not been disclosed yet, but um, all the sources are saying is that he is uh, 100% back next year. Um, so I, and I, I, I've heard some rumors that it could be at least for two years. Um, so, yeah. Um, so that's a positive thing for that university. Yeah. Um, and frankly, it's a very positive thing for, for the program because um, you look at it, John L. Davis who has been the clutch time player for the Owls throughout this tournament. You like to see your best player, um, and I would say it's either him or Vladislav Golden. It's between those two as far as their best players. But normally you like to see your play, your best player um, improve, you know, uh, bring bring where they've been at in the regular season. Once you get to the postseason, they they, they – you see them jump uh, in production. And that's exactly what you've seen from Davis because um, 
During the year, he averaged about 14 points per game. And uh, he's seen that bump up to 17 points in the NCAA tournament. Um, he's also averaging in the tournament nearly eight rebounds per game, uh, three and a half assists, and he's uh, swiping about, uh, you know, two, two, two steals a game. Um, but like you said, San Diego State is also well coached. They've performed remarkably well. Um, their their tests have been against Alabama, who they handled pretty 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 good um, defensively, especially. Um, and they handled Creighton, who's a very physical team. Um, but you look at their defense primarily, and San Diego State has been able to hold opponents to 57.3 points per game, which in today's game, that's phenomenal when you're seeing most college games finish in the 70s or 80s as far as points uh, per game. And they're holding their opponent to 17% shooting from three-point land. Um, tie that together with Vladislav Golden is going to be an issue for almost any team. But with San Diego State, you look at Nathan Mensaw, who is the two-time Mountain West Conference Defensive Player of the Year, and he is second all-time in the Aztec program in block shots with 234. He's been very impressive around the rim. He played an immense job. I don't think I can emphasize it enough. Anybody who watched their game against Alabama, he did a phenomenal job protecting the rim, sometimes blocking one or two shots around the rim um, when Alabama would get an offensive rebound. Um, so with that being said, taking absolutely nothing away from FAU, they did a great job against Tennessee. They did a phenomenal job against Kansas State in the Elite Eight game to get to the Final Four. Um, notably, they out-rebounded. Um, the FAU out-rebounded Kansas State 44-22 to in that game, which is incredible. Um, I think this is going to be the end of the road for the Owls in this year's tournament. But I like what you said. They're probably going to end up being in the top 10 in the preseason poll um, for next year. So like you, I have San Diego State marching on. Uh, give Dusty May all the credit. I give Brian Dutcher for San Diego State an immense amount of credit because he he's now you know, taking over the program um, uh, in, in at San Diego State. has done a really good job with recruiting. They're a very physical team, and, and they're playing some really inspired basketball. I think this kind of turned the corner for San Diego State after they knocked off Alabama. Um, but, you know, all in all, this is going to be a, a fun game. I think this is going to be within 10 points for most of the game. Um, I just hope, and uh, I don't want to bring up, bad blood but i just hope this doesn't end up like the end of the creighton game um because that takes away a lot um but at the end of the day the aztecs are going to march on into the final and we'll see uh we'll, we'll talk about their opponent here in a second
So I'm moving over to the other side of the bracket. We have, um, I think the game that, not to take anything away from San Diego State and FAU, but I think is a little bit more, uh, it is a little bit more um, on the front, the front of people's minds. Because uh, I think a lot of people think that whoever wins the right side of the bracket is going to be the national champion um, between Miami and UConn. Now, this is, this is going to be a very good game. Um, like, like I discussed earlier, UConn, UConn's dominant. I mean, they have, they have rolled through this tournament at an unprecedented rate. The only other team, um, I was reading some stuff about this and they said that, uh, based on a bunch of numbers that I saw, the, um, the only other teams that have dominated the way that this Connecticut team has through the tournament up until this point is the 20, um, 2015 Kentucky team um, that ended up actually losing in the Final Four, um, and the 1996 Kentucky team who beat Syracuse in the national championship game. Um, no other team has bulldozed through a national uh, bulldozed through the tournament um, at a more dominant rate than this UConn team, and it should not go unmentioned that three of UConn's players were actually fasting for Ramadan um, throughout this tournament, which I think is just absolutely incredible. Um, Adama Sinogo, um, uh, Adama Sinogo, um, I have her here, Adama Sinogo, Hassan Dira, and Samson Johnson um, were all observing Ramadan through March Madness, were given um, during night games, were the the team had which had halftime after sunset um were given easy easily digestible peanut butter and jelly sandwiches uh and water um but during the day games could not consume any water or food leading up to during or after the games and it's just incredible how they've been able to perform um and now with uh with ramadan being uh over um i can only imagine how uh how much more dominant they could be <laughs> Um, but, uh, yeah, so I, I'm going to keep this short and sweet on this side that I think it's UConn not to take anything away from Jim Laranega, great coach. And to the fact that he's been able to take George Mason and Miami, Florida to the final four Miami, who didn't have a college basketball program for a solid, like 15 years, um, a couple of decade or so ago, two decades ago that it, it's. And and George Mason, who who hasn't been back to the tournament since, it's it's just incredible. And I think it's it's now clear that he's he's a worthy Naismith Hall of Fame coach. Um, and I think he will get there someday. But I don't think he's advancing past this. Uh, I think the the Hurricanes run ends here, and uh, UConn blows through into the national championship game. And I think possibly covering that eight and a half points, eight point one point spread that they have right now. So, Sean, uh, good analysis on on what this game's ultimately going to look like. Um, you know, it's going to be – this is going to be the game of the tournament, I think, at this point. Because really, and I feel it, and you expressed this earlier, that um, whoever wins this game is probably going to win the whole tournament. Um, I think it's exciting. Um because you were dealing with two of the premier um, 
I don't want to say programs, but they come from two very interesting conferences. Um, Miami, obviously, uh, kind of a mainstay uh, at this point in the Atlantic Coast Conference. And UConn's been with the the Big East pretty much since the get-go. I believe they did leave for a short period of time to go to the American, um, but I'm not I'm not confident yes, on that. Yeah, yeah so um, I'm glad about that. Um, I think it's... It's also going to be really exciting. I think you mentioned that, you know, uh, is it going to be that that uh, Jim Laranaga should hopefully go into the Smith Hall of Fame? Um, he's a finalist, finally. So he was tabbed as one. Um, I don't remember. I think they came out with those announcement, announcements for at least the NBA players. I don't know if he, he made it, but, um, but that's something to notice and, and, and include. But, Chaka Smart was voted coach of the year. Uh, oh, that's coach of the year candidate. That's right. I was talking about Nate Smith Hall of Fame. Um, I think oh, the, oh, I'm the, sorry. The Hall, yeah, sorry, you're I good. Was, you're, yeah. good. you're good. I um, do also want to, sorry to interrupt you, but I do want to mention, I did make a mistake here. Ramadan began March 22nd, so they played last weekend um, under Ramadan restrictions. However, um, they not prior to the tournament, and they will still be under those restrictions Um this final four. So I just wanted to clear that up. Um, sorry for the, um, the uh, slip up there, but um, yes, but they were still able to play those sweet 16 elite eight games under those conditions. And um, we'll be, uh, we'll be facing those conditions again, this, uh, this weekend, but I don't think that'll take anything away from them. No. And Sonogo has been UConn's best player this year and yep. it, probably in the tournament. Um, but Going back to the kind of the coaching coaches, we've got two very different coaches. You know, we've got Jim Laranaga, a little bit more of a little bit of a laid more laid back. He's more laid back of a coach, um, but you kind of get you see when his his blood pressure rises a little bit, um, especially in that last game against Texas. He did a masterful masterful job of really organizing his lineup appropriately. And I think many people were impressed when watching that game at how Miami's guards were able to offset the guard play that Texas had, uh, because that really seemed to be the talk of the tournament for uh, most of their games. But going back to UConn, we kind of have a little bit of a different uh, identity from the coaching staff. Danny Hurley has been very fiery. Um, He's done a great job with UConn. Um, we've got two of the more powerful conferences in the country, ACC, Big East. Um, it's going to be a lot of fun. I, I'm excited for it. I think it's going to be a great game. Um, I'm interested to see if UConn's going to have the same dominance they've had inside. So I'm really interested in, in looking at Sonogo's play because Miami's got a couple bigger bodies on there. They're probably not going to be as effective from the offensive end, but defensively, Interested to see how Sonogo matches up with with uh, Miami's front court. Um, on the back court side, Isaiah Wong is that guy for Miami. He is the guy that's able to implement the offense. And then he's got his counterpart right there, Jordan Miller for the Hurricanes, who also, he came up huge. Um, I think he went perfect from the field and had 26, 27 points in their outing against Texas 
last weekend. Um, he joins, I think, Christian Leitner um, as the most recent player to do that in an NCAA tournament game. I think there's only been four all time. I don't know who the other two gentlemen are, but to go perfect, Jordan Miller, that is perfect from the field. He, he had a perfect game to send his team to the final four. But I, but I digress. This tournament is UConn's tournament to lose. I don't think we can emphasize that enough. If UConn loses tomorrow night, it's anybody's tournament. So it's either going to be San Diego State or it's going to be Miami. Um, it, it, it's got to be UConn coming out of there, and I think they're going to eventually beat San Diego State. Um, I think that's kind of what you've also said, Sean, but I don't want to put words into your mouth, so I'll hand it back over to you. No, you know, I'd love to disagree with you, but I mean, because I think that that makes for better entertainment. So sorry to those listeners. I know you all love a debate, but um, I, I got to agree with you on this one. I think we're we're in sync. I mean, I, I just don't think that that there's, uh, yeah. But I mean, San Diego State or FAU winning would be a, a big uh that would be a big deal. I mean, it, it, not not just the fact that it would be dominant, it would be over a very dominant team, but trivia time. Do you know the last time a team from a non-Power 6 conference, so not ACC, SEC, Big East, Big 12, Big 10, or Pac-12 won the national championship? Gosh, I'm trying to think. And I got you on this one. And nothing's coming I to mind. I got you on this one. Um, it was 1990. Jerry Turkanian and the running rebels of UNLV went in and beat Duke. How about that? I wasn't, th I was thinking was we further back than the nineties. I was thinking it was going to be like the eighties. And honestly, probably should have known better because I was just watch watching. Uh, I hate Christian Leitner not that long ago, yep. but ESPN 30 for 30 when they talk about that. And the last time wow. before that was Louisville when they were in the Metro conference in 1980. So it would be unprecedented for a team from the, either the Mountain West or the Atlantic Sun to come in and run through a national tournament like this. Um, but you know what? I don't see it happening. I think UConn's too dominant. Um, UConn's going to win. Adama Sinogo is going to be your clear, is your clear favorite to be the player of the, the, final, for the final four MVP. Um, I would be shocked if, if, he, if he didn't win. Um, assuming UConn wins the way that he's played this tournament. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I really think all my chips are in on UConn right now. Uh, I, I'd love to disagree with you on that because you know how much I love to disagree with you, but I got to go with UConn. UConn's my champion. Adama Sinogo is my uh, MVP. And as Dan Hurley said, to paraphrase Dan Hurley, 
hopefully you got them then because they're here. <laughs> I think everyone's going to be watching, especially those in the Northeast. They'll be rooting for Connecticut. It's going to be a great, great game. Uh, make sure you tune in. Those tips, tip times are at 6.09 p.m. and 8.49 p.m. respectively. And then we'll see the national championship game on Monday. Well, I think that's going to do it for us today, Sean. Um, I do have, well, it looks like you got something to say, so I'll hand it back over to you. No, no, I was just going to say we got a big weekend ahead, and we'll be back to recap it all next week, talk some baseball opening weekend, get some uh, uh, discussions on the impact of the new rules, talk about some masters. Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, the great month of March is bleeding right into April. So, uh, so yeah, have fun watching this weekend um, and prepare yourself for another good couple weeks of sports. I agree, and you know what? We've got a really good friend of the show, um, FRS Racing, um, our friend Colin Fern, he will be taking his dive uh, this season uh, for the first time this year and the first time ever. Um, his race team, FRS Racing, which he's owner of, um, will be taking off uh, tomorrow at Richmond. So that'll be their first race of the year. So just want to give a little nice little shout out to a friend of the show. Like Sean said, Strap in this weekend's gonna be a great one. We got the Masters next weekend. We've done the best that we can on the here on the Stadium Sports Show. Thank you all for tuning in. Uh, for myself, Robert Jeffrey, and for Sean, thank you for tuning in. We're gonna try to do better the next time, and we'll talk to you next week. Goodbye, friends.